How's it going, guys? Welcome to episode number seven of the 25 Feet High Podcast. I'm excited this afternoon. We're doing um, we're doing an episode. I got Zach here with me. He's gonna hop in here in just a second, and uh, we are going to be talking about pretty much a hunt breakdown of last year's hunting season. Uh, we're gonna we're just we're gonna talk about each individual hunt, break it down a little bit further than what you understand from the videos. Possibly, uh, we're gonna talk out more about why we did what we did, how we did things, and stuff like that. But before we get started, I'd really like to say thank you for all y'all that listen to us. Uh, it means a lot to us. Uh, I know we're we're a new podcast and we're growing, and this is also going to be our last podcast in um this area that we're doing it we are actually going to be moving into our new podcast studio this uh this week so we're about to change location so hopefully the sound quality and everything's going to get even better than what it is currently we are working on getting our studio all finished up and ready to rock but before we get started with this podcast i'd like to uh take a second and thank all of our sponsors first off I'd like to um, like to thank World Champion Outdoors. World Champion Outdoors is our newest sponsor, and they are your South Alabama Hoyt and Matthews dealer. Also carrying fishing supplies, hunting supplies, pretty much everything you need to go out and hunt, ammo, stuff like that. Uh, check them out on Facebook at World Champion Outdoors. Next up is Black Eagle Arrows. Black Eagle Arrows provides superior arrow technology from the tournament trail to the hunting woods. Black Eagle Arrow has you. I actually just changed to the Rampage. I was shooting the Deep Impacts. Really liked them. Figured, why not? Let's check. Why not? Let's change the Rampage. Get a little bit more speed out of it. Freaking love them. My bow, my 80-pound beast is shooting like 318 with a 440-grain arrow. Zach's shooting 318 with his carnivores. I have a 70 pound bow and, uh, and they are shooting freaking awesome too. So check out Black Eagle Airs at blackeagleairs.com. And next up, Threads Custom Bowstrings. Thread Custom Bowstrings is a family owned and operated uh, string company providing the fastest turnaround in the industry on your pre-stretched bowstrings. If you're in the, in the market for a new set of strings, call Threads Custom Bowstrings. Tell them 25 high cent you. Last but not least is Native Sense. Native Sense is a truly Alabama-owned and farmed deer urine scent company. They're 100% natural, collected four hunters. Native Sense, we get results. Alright guys, so we're about to roll on into this podcast. I really appreciate y'all. Stay tuned and let's get this thing rolling. Good man. I'm so grateful for the Lord allowing me to harvest this beautiful bird. I got a freaking giant bass. 25 feet high, baby. This is awesome. All right, guys. So we're back at it and uh, we got Zach here with us. What's up, guys? He's being a little lethargic this afternoon. He's leaning back all the way in his chair. Sorry if he's not loud enough. Guys. I moved the mic close. Uh, the mic is very close to my face. How close is how close? Is this close enough? <laughs> yeah, you might want to back it off a little bit. But guys, like I said, we're gonna talk about last hunting season, kind of like a 
shorter, uh, like a hunt breakdown, but combining pretty much most of our successful hunts from last year and just give you more details about what happened. So we're going to go kind of in order of how we killed, not how they got posted on YouTube, uh, because Zach actually killed his buck last year before me, but my video got posted last year first due to editing and stuff like that. So we're going to start off with Zach's eight point that he killed on public land. All right. So last year, the weekend before hunting season, me and my dad and my uncle, and I think my cousin was out there too, we were planting food plots the weekend before season, and we have this one section of our lease. It's an 80-acre section that's separate from the rest of our hunting club, and basically everything around that 80 acres is public land. It's all Connecticut National. And there was a little spot, a very small, high ele- higher elevation oak flat in the middle of some very, very open woods that kind of bordered my hunting club. And my hunting, where my lease is, that, that 80 acres, it's very thick pines. They're like younger pines, and it's a lot of undergrowth. They never burn that area, so it's really thick. The only place you can hunt, really, on my hunting, on my lease, is this one food plot. And basically, my dad said, hey, you might ought to go hunt that spot. So... Talking about the the uh, the oak flat up there. So basically, I just walked in there and I saw under the first few oak trees that I went to, it was pretty open. It was very very open for South Alabama, especially for most of our public land. Um, like I said, higher elevation oak flat. There was a lot of thick thick underbrush around it, but wide open like as far as the pine trees are. And, um, this oak flat, it was just torn up underneath. Like, that every, uh, every, like, you couldn't put your hand on the ground without putting your hand on a, on a deer track. There was just loads of activity in this area. And I said, well, I'm gonna be here the first chance I get. So, roll on, week later, season opened, um... It was a few days after we planted the food plots. Uh, I walked in. I had a tree picked out. I walked into this tree and climbed up the tree. And what my assumption was, was that most of the deer were going to walk down the fire lane bordering my hunting club and this public. And that was about 40 yards away. And after climbing up the tree and looking around, I was thinking, well, they're going to walk down this fire lane and then walk out in front of me into this oak flat because it was the only, pretty much the only trail that led from the fire lane into the oak flat. And I probably shouldn't have hunted there this day, but it turned out working perfectly in my favor. But what happened was the wind was hitting me straight into the back. It was just the worst wind possible but I was already there 
and I didn't have time to go to a different spot, so I said, well, let's just see what happens. Maybe I can get lucky. And I climb up the tree, and I noticed that the trail was, like, right under me. Like, the most of the deer activity was right under me. Like, these few little oak trees were just dropping acorns, and the deer were just hit hammering them, just hitting them hard. And I sat there for maybe an hour, and it was still very much daylight, and I heard something. It was really windy this day, too. I heard something behind me and turned around and looked, and there was a deer there. And at, at first, like being the first hunt of the season, I was like, oh, there's a deer. And then a few seconds later, I was like, oh, oh, my God, there's a deer. And then I started freaking out a little bit. Then I noticed it was two bucks. It was a it was a very small bachelor group of like a three point and this eight point. And being that this was the first rack buck I'd ever seen while I was bow hunting, I said, as soon as I get a chance, I'm gonna shoot that deer. So I turn on my camera, I get stood up, and they walk directly under me from behind me. And they like. Literally, the the little buck was under the tree that I was sitting in, eating, licking, or eating some little, like, oak sapling. And he was just sitting right under me, didn't even know I was there. And when I turned my camera on, the little buck below me spooked. And I was like, oh my god. The first chance I ever get at a rack buck with a bow in my hand, I'm gonna blow it. And to my surprise, the bigger buck looked at the little buck and was like, what are you doing? And then he just goes back to eating acorns. Like, didn't even phase him that this buck just spooked. And he just starts eating acorns. He turns around and actually starts headed, heading back the way he came, but still not alert or anything. And I draw my bow, and this deer catches a glimpse of that and looks up at me. And I don't have a shot at this point. I was just drawing back, waiting on an opportunity. And he was so close to me that I tried to bring my bow down to this deer. And I hit my stand with my limb, and I couldn't shoot. And so this deer looks up at me again. And he he just looks right in my eyes. And I'm like, well, he's about to run. I need to get a shot, but I can't get a shot. And then, to my surprise again, goes back to eating. He just starts eating acorns right at, right off the bat, just straight again. Just goes back to eating acorns. And then he takes a few more steps, and I still can't get a shot because he's too close and I keep hitting my stand. And he looks up at me again and then goes back to eating. He takes a few more steps, and finally he's directly to my left, and I lean over my stand to where my limb had plenty of clearance and everything and I can get a finally get a shot and I lean down he looks up at me and he's got to be like eight yards max like straight under me just about and I put the pin I put my 20 yard pin a little bit below where I want to hit and I squeeze off my shot none of this is on camera by the way (laughs) yeah and i squeeze off my shot it looks like a really good shot and i'm just like heck yes you know rookie video moves 
it'll get better this year. I promise. Maybe. But, uh, so basically as far as the hunt breakdown goes, I found a, a flat of oak trees, just a big section of oak trees that was getting hammered by deer, and I climb in the middle of it and get an opportunity. And this was all on public land, too. And it was a Wednesday afternoon, the first Wednesday of the season. Mm-hmm. A season opened up on Monday last year, and then uh, you killed it that Wednesday. Yep. I had class that af- that midday, I think. Or I had class that morning, and I left class and went straight to the woods <laughs> and had just enough time to get up the tree. Sometimes those, um, sometimes those you getting in later or getting in in a hurry time kind of work out. Time time you don't tend to overthink things as much, and you just got to get in the tree and get up and get ready, and it works out a lot of times like that. You do the most common sense thing at that moment whenever you. A lot of times you tend to mess up when you overthink things. Yeah, and like. Like I said, like I just noticed that there was a ton of deer activity in this area the weekend before this. So I was like, well, I need to climb here. But I didn't really take into account the fact that, you know, there's there's really no pine trees around there. And I really prefer climbing pine trees. So I had to, I had to get my climber up an oak tree. And then 20 minutes after I climbed up, I started looking around. And I was like, well, these deer are walking right under me. Like, most of the sign is literally under the tree that I'm sitting in. So, I I got lucky. Makes for a close shot. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, I know, I know it's kind of a, a, kind of a hard thing to really throw back, but what, what do you think the, the most important thing that, led to success in that hunt that you can if you can narrow it down to like one thing that was the most important reason that you were successful in that hunt what was it not that you shot and hit the deer but i think the most important thing was finding an oak tree that the deer liked the acorns off of as far as like they were all white oaks and they were all dropping good acorns at this time. And the deer being in the woods all the time, they know which trees are dropping the most palatable uh, acorns. So they the deer knew that this spot was a good spot to eat. Nobody ever drives down this road except for us going to our private land area. So this spot was very, very rarely pressured. Even though I was... 40 or 50 yards from a road nobody ever hunted this spot and just the deer knowing that and especially since it was earlier in the season the deer just fed there pretty often with no pressure and I think that was the biggest thing was just it was a primary food source for them yeah and and make sure on clarification it wasn't a like a it wasn't like a road road it was a trail that led to a it was a it was a dirt road that led to a gate yeah to go into uh i guess uh, was that your hunting lease that goes yeah. into yeah it's so like it's, a, it's 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 not like a it's not like 40 or 50 yards off of a 
highway or a county road or something like that. It's it's probably 600 yards off the nearest county road right there. Yeah, I mean, I was... Well, I mean, I was probably 50 yards off of this little dirt road that the only reason anybody ever drove down it was to get to our lease. Like, anybody who wanted the public land in that area would park closer to the county road and walk in. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that hunt? Not really. I mean... It was 90% luck and 10% seeing a bunch of deer sign, fresh deer sign. Yeah. I mean, everything breaks down to a little bit of luck and or blessing, depending on how you look at it. But uh, going from there, start off, I guess, transition to my my hunt, my Velvet Six, because that was the next buck that we killed. That was like a couple days later. Yeah, it was the Sunday morning after. All right, so Zach killed his deer, and uh, so that I at this time when Zach was killed this deer, I was in the pursuit of Mohican. I was hunting Mohican uh, so much that uh, the, that first full week I was hunting the food plot that he was coming in on pretty regular, and when Zach killed that deer. It put pressure on me. <laughs> I was like, I can't have I can't have Zach outdoing me, you know. <laughs> so I had to um so I kind of reevaluate. I was like, you know, I gotta kill a deer. And Mohican was the end goal, but he was being difficult. He was coming into the food plot every single day that I wasn't there and wasn't coming in the food plots when I were when I was there. I mean, typical, what you would think a typical hunting story goes. It just didn't never, our, our calendars weren't lining up. Yeah. And he was traveling a lot, wasn't he? I had him traveling. I had him on camera at a 1,100-yard radius. So it was really hard to pinpoint him, but I'll get into that more when I talk about Mohican. But the... So what happened was, is Zach killed his deer, and I continued hunting Mohican all the way to um, Saturday afternoon. And I hunted Mohegan and Saturday afternoon and had no luck, saw, I think it was a couple does or something like that. And obviously in that time frame, it was buck only in Alabama. So after... I got down that Saturday afternoon hunt. I needed to check some trail cameras. And some of my favorite time to check trail cameras during hunting season is at night. And the reason for that being is, I don't know if it actually helps or does anything, but if you check cameras during the day you run the chance of bumping a deer out of there and scaring it while going in it doesn't matter what time of the day so you so if you ever bump a deer out and scare it you of course added unwanted hunting pressure to that location that can be avoided 
but if you check it during the times that you can normally hunt so, but if you check it at night you're more likely to um, scare that deer out in a situation that it typically where, where, where you absolutely can't hunt it if you scare them out at night so I, from my experience they'll typically come back the next day or something like that if you bump them out at night so i went to this food plot that uh, i ended up killing him in at a six point and i had a ground blind set up and i went and i checked the camera that night i mean it was like i waited till like i think it was nine nine thirty or something I drove to the food plot to make sure if I scared them off, I scared them off with a vehicle and not the human presence. Because there's definitely a difference between vehicle pressure and human pressure. That's for sure. I, just to interject for just a second, not to cut you off, but uh, this morning I went to check trail cameras and I pulled up to my hunting to my hunting club gate, the main gate we use. I pulled up there and. I, the plan was to check a uh, SD card off of a different camera while I was sitting there before I opened up a gate. And I pulled up the gate, looked up, and there was two does standing in the road. And they looked at the truck for about 20 seconds and then went straight back to eating. They did not care that my truck was there but one bit. Yeah. And I knew from previous experience checking trail cameras, I was getting pictures of deer an hour or two hours after I went into a location with a vehicle or went by a location with a vehicle. Because I, I, I keep up notes down to know when I go into this location or I can remember when I went to this location or something like that. And, I mean, I'm getting pictures of deer a couple hours after a vehicle goes through. One thing that's and, interesting, just to throw in there, um deer have evolved and adapted to avoid bipedal creatures because they for the past 15,000 years 16,000 years there's been human hunters so for that long deer have been trained and been no been uh conditioned to avoid that a bipedal creature so and that's also the con- that's also the thing that conditions them to to move more and nocturnally because we pressure them during the day because that's when we can see and that's when we hunt them. Obviously, the reason we hunt them the majority of the daytime now is because that's what's legal. Yeah. I mean, but... And there's only been cars for 100 years as compared to 15,000 years. Yeah. So, I went into this location to check this trail camera and Velvet, the Velvet Six, uh, I nicknamed him Velveteen, but it never, I never had to hunt him long enough to actually talk about his name. And I went to this, um, I went to the camera, pulled the card, sw- or swapped the card out, drove to the middle of my fo- or hunting club, nowhere near that location, and parked and viewed the pictures. And what I understood from this, looking at the pictures, he was in that food plot all day that Saturday. He was there pretty much, I mean, all day. He was there right after daybreak. Um, he stayed to the majority. He went and must have bedded down 
from around 12 o'clock to around 2, and then he was back in that afternoon. And he was still in velvet. That was the main thing that that drove me to this deer. But he was also a old, older, more mature buck that was only a six-point. So it really worked out great that I was able to kill my first buck in velvet, a goal I've had ever since I started hunting, and be able to get what a quote-unquote cull buck would be. Because a four-and-a-half-year-old six-point won't ever around here develop into anything bigger. He may get... At that five and a half, he may get a little bit more in inches wise, but he won't ever develop into what you would call a trophy deer. Yeah, he's, he's not going to be a 160 inch 10 pointer in a couple of years. He's he's done he's done with his most of his development. Well, I need to talk about 160. If we're looking at 120 <laughs> inch deer around here, as a uh, you that's know, a trophy. Yeah, a hundred and twenty. <laughs> I mean, a 130-inch deer where we hunt is pretty much a buck of a lifetime. Yeah. And I was... Even on private land. Like, yeah, the, the private land, public land, a 130-inch deer is a buck of a lifetime. I say a 120-inch deer, a 120-inch deer on private land around here is a buck of a lifetime for private land. Um, But... It was kind of, change subjects real quick, it was kind of depressing. We were at an ASA tournament earlier this year, and we were, you were with me when we were talking to this, this um, girl, I don't remember her name, but she was from Iowa, I think it was, and uh, we were talking about deer, <laughs> I remember it. and I can't quote exactly what she said, because that's not appropriate to what we want to say, but we were talking about deer, and she had this, 200 and something inch rack with her and i was looking at i was like my god that's a you know that's a stud like i would i don't know if i'd be able to shoot a bow if i saw something like that in front of me you know i don't know if i'd be able to draw my bow back and now we were just talking about hunting and um you can fill in the gaps and i told her that i was like a buck of a lifetime where we live is 130 inches and she said that is blank depressing (laughs) (laughs) i remember that (laughs) and i was like i just kind of cut the conversation off at that point i was like we can't talk so how are you doing today (laughs) (laughs) like we can't talk about shoot today (laughs) yeah so it was it was really funny uh i mean i mean it kind of it kind of tweaked me a little bit in a bad way you know because you can't you where you hunt you hunt if you if you hunt for trophies you hunt for a trophy in the area that you hunt in yeah, yeah there's bigger deer up north but you also you got to look at where you live what you hunt if you kill 130 inch deer in south alabama i don't care who you are where you are in south alabama or florida or you know southern mississippi southern georgia stuff like that that is a freaking stud of a deer yeah so that was a little bit of a tangent (laughs) so i had this buck on camera i had velvet velveteen on camera 90 inch (laughs) no i think 
I'm, we measured him. I think I can't remember. He was ninety-eight inch velvet buck. Yeah, he was ninety-eight inches. I think um, uh, 90, 98 something. It's four and a half year old six point. That's a pretty big six point. <laughs> one thing. One thing to note real quick. Um, in Alabama, our deer usually in south, northern northwest Florida at least, and South Alabama. Our deer usually shed their velvet late September, and our season opens October 15th. So, like, 99.99999% of our deer for the past, like, 50 years have shed their velvet well before the season comes in. And last year was the craziest thing ever because on my club and Kay's club, every game cam picture that either of us had those deer still had velvet up until like mid-october it was crazy i've never seen anything like it i don't know what it was yeah so as far as what was in front of my camera when i killed him so that was that was on sunday after season so that should have been the 21st 20th to 21st something like that yeah so anyway he was the last buck i had on camera with velvet but at the beginning of the week I had a smaller deer on camera with velvet. Um, Mohican shedded his the week before the season. I had a spike last year that had velvet till the end of October. Yeah, probably. It's kind of weird. It goes back to, you know, testosterone having a big big thing about when they shed it. But it makes sense that an older buck would shed later or a younger buck would shed later yeah shed its velvet later not its horns but it's like but it's velvet but so i had him on camera and i was like like this is awesome opportunity i came home after i like i didn't i checked one more camera after that i had like five i need to check but after i looked at that picture i was like yeah i'm done i'm gonna go home i'm gonna get rest i'm gonna go Talk about my dad. Uh, talk about this deer with my dad, and I came home and talked. Sat there, and we, me and my dad talked, and you know, I said, I think I'm gonna go kill this buck in the morning. You know, good Lord willing, I think I'm gonna go kill this buck in the morning. He's still in velvet. That'd be a chance of a lifetime in South Alabama for a normal season because they've usually are always shedded before. And he's an older deer. He needs to be gone. We don't need him spreading his seed another year. So I went in that morning. I got, daybreak was, what, 6.30-ish? Somewhere around there. Yeah, it was 6.30-ish. And I got in the stand at around Five, or in my blind at around 545 ish. Didn't scare anything out of there, so that was really good, or nothing blue. Nothing I was aware of because it was dark when I walked in. And I settled down my blind, knocked my knocked my air, ranged the persimmon tree. Oh, I forgot to even say the main reason he was in there is because it was a persimmon tree. 28 yards, 29 yards in front of my blind. And that persimmon tree, I don't think we're going to have a persimmon crop really this year as far as huntable persimmons because they're already starting to drop a little bit at my club. 
There's all my my lease. I saw ripe persimmons, and we usually they're usually still green this time of year. Yeah, so I don't think we're gonna have a very good persimmon harvest this year or chance to hunt persimmons this year. But deer are loving it right now, though. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this last year the persimmons dropped later or into the season, so that deer was mainly sitting standing around in there waiting for the wind or what what have you knock the persimmon off for it to eat so it was he was just walking around he was eating some of the fresh growth as far as the food plots we planted the week before and uh but he was mainly in there for persimmons so i got down in the ground blind sat down knocked my air got everything ready set up my camera and what i'd say is a bad position now but i learned from this and I'm ranged the or waited right at first light. I ranged the tree, and then uh, was just sitting there. And he came out on Saturday right at seven o'clock, and just like clockwork, he walked out from my left. I didn't see him to I leaned forward. I heard a noise. Lean forward. Look to my left because I only had one gap in the ground blind open and limit the amount of light that could get into it and lean forward and i'm like oh crap there he is <laughs> and that deer walks out in front of me walks just perfect like you would hope he would and me trying to get my very first real you know that i mean that was my first rack buck with a bow first good rack buck with a bow so i lined up my camera and you know, and you were self-filming, yeah, so, so it, that adds a whole nother challenge. Yeah, and I, I zoomed it in a little too far, but I really wanted to get a good shot, you know. And so when I when he situated around, I drew back on him. And after I drew back, he walked forward, leaving my camera view. So I, um, I bent my left elbow in i'm right i'm a right-handed shooter so you know if you bend your left elbow in you lose a lot of strength and holding that bow back <laughs> just if you didn't know that just so you know it now so i bent my left elbow in to try to hit the camera arm to where it would line back up with the deer and when i did that i accidentally let down and my cam hit well, i accidentally let down my bow hit the top of the ground blind my arrow rattled and stuff like that and i scared the deer he ran to the edge of the food plot he just knew it was a random sound he ain't heard it before he didn't know what was going on so he didn't fully spook he just hopped over to the edge of the field away from the sound he just heard which was me and it was about it seemed like six hours, but it was like maybe five or ten minutes. He eventually looped himself back in front of me after I was quiet for a while. Uh, nothing happened. I just stayed calm and hoping he worked his way back. Well, he eventually worked himself back and looped right in front of me. I could have shot him at like nine yards, but he was facing toward me, so I just stayed patient and everything and he eventually looped back up to the persimmon tree 
And I quick ranged him real quick. He was at 28 yards, 27 and a half, 28 yards. So I knew that it was either now or never. Good thing happened. When I messed up and scared him off and he worked himself back, he also allowed more camera light to, to come up. So it ended up being a better video because you could see better because the sun came up more. But I put my 30-yard pin right about where you would see his heart. And he was angled, quartered slightly away, which is my favorite shot to take. You hear so much stuff about broadside shots, broadside shots. Yeah, broadside shots are awesome. But the most damaging shot is a slightly quarter and away shot because you can get more vitals with the shot. So I uh, draw back, anchor in, hear my clip. I was shooting a thumb button at that time. Um, started aiming and squeezing off, and it ran straight through him. And he uh, he mule kicked and ran. All, it was really weird what happened. He ran to the edge of the plot and stood there with his head down, like he knew something. Like he didn't know he didn't know he was dying, but he knew something was wrong because he wasn't feeling too good. And he just stood there and then eventually walked himself out of the food plot and laid down. Well, in the video, I said, I'm going to give him like 10 or 10 or 15 minutes or something like that and wait. I didn't wait that long. <laughs> Which one thing to kind of throw in there, I think both of the deer, both of ours, our shot placement was a lit, just a hair farther back than we would hope for on a perfect shot. Because I think both of our deer were mainly like lung and liver. Because well, no. I, I saw my deer, I didn't mention it, but I saw my deer run about 50 yards and then stop and turn back and look. But both of our deer ended up dying pretty close to where they stopped. Yeah, well, I, I hit lung. Yeah, but I did too on mine. Uh, I think it it was it was both lungs. I'm pretty sure I, I clipped the very bottom of him, clipped his heart. I obviously had to go through the liver or some. I probably hit the liver. I didn't really break that deer down to really see where I hit him, um, far as internally very much. But um, I got out of the stand or the ground blind. I keep I'm so used to saying stands. Got out of the ground blind, went and looked at my arrow. With the full intentions of looking at my arrow and giving it time, but I went back after I reviewed or looked at the arrow. I went back and reviewed the footage, which is an awesome thing, guys. If you're not self-filming your hunts, I highly recommend it because you're able to go back instantly and look at your shot placement, look how you hit that deer, and that gives you a really high advantage on how long you think you should give that deer before you go and look at it or look for it. And so I went back and looked at the video and uh, and I noticed in the video that at the very tail end of where you could last see him as he walked slowly into the woods, you could see his tail raise and see him kind of sink down. So I knew he was dead. Like he laid down and he was dead. So I gave it just a few more minutes and I started looking for first blood. And first blood was where he stood still. I was using only an inch and a half um, 
Swagger Broadhead. Love that little thing. But it, um, it, I went and found First Blood and then pretty much found, you know, blood, a blood spot every three or four feet until I like looked up and said, oh crap, there he is. <laughs> and, the hard then obviously filmed the recovery thing, checked him out and everything. The hardest part about that hunt was I didn't want to mess up the velvet and getting him back. And so I hooked him up to I went I walked to my truck, drove my truck down to the food plot and went and grabbed my climber um rope for my safety harness and hooked it around his neck and pulled him out that way instead of pulling him out by his horns or by his feet because I really didn't want to mess up the velvet, and I was really suspicious on how how easy it was to mess up the velvet. I didn't know. So got him back to the house. I was back at my house at 8.45 that morning, which is a pretty successful short hunt. That's something crazy that I, I just sort of thought about. You killed a velvet buck three, four days, three or four days after I killed a hardhorn buck that was next to a hardhorn buck, and all all three of those deer were within ten miles of each other. Roughly, yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it just shows you how freakish it was that there was a velvet buck still. But didn't you have another velvet buck? I did, there? but he was smaller. Yeah, like he, was, he was he was a year year old buck. Yeah, a year year and a half old buck. So I really what, or I guess at the time of the year he'd been right at a year. So he was really cool to look at, but that was the only deer I saw that day. Um, the only deer you needed to see. Yeah. <laughs> the only deer I really cared to see. <laughs> and um, so that was pretty much that hunt. Got him to the taxidermist the next, or that afternoon, or that morning, I think. Uh, yeah, we came home and skinned him out and took him to the taxidermist at like 10. And um, got it to him, and now he is hanging up on a wall, which I'm pretty proud to say. So, what was your? I'd, I'd be. I'm interested to know what was your biggest takeaway from that hunt, as far as lessons learned or anything like that. I think it actually my biggest takeaway from that hunt was obviously in the filming side of it, the better be able to set up um, to successfully video. Uh, but other than that, I really. I really think it helped me learn more about hunting Mohican. Being able to successfully take pressure away from that deer, because I was going to hunt him that morning. Take a step back, go hunt this other deer, reevaluate how I wanted to hunt Mohican. So I think it actually helped me as a hunter for being able to step away because in Alabama being able to kill three bucks, you don't have to in states that you can only kill one deer, one buck or stuff like that. You have to pretty much only go after that deer, 
But luckily, I was able to take a step back, learn to be a more patient hunter, and go successfully hunt this deer. And it was just an awesome experience being able to kill that deer. Yeah, that's, I think, as far as, like, the the pressure of it, I feel like one of my bigger drawbacks, which helps me in some scenarios but hurts me in others, is overthinking and giving too much credit to the deer. Because, like, that deer I killed last year, I didn't have time to really think it through. I just, I saw that spot a week before. And then I was like, I'm going to climb that tree. And I climbed that tree. You know, it, sometimes when I've overthought it, I'm like, well, if I walk over here, they're going to bust me. But, you know, just overthinking is oftentimes not the best thing. It can help, but it's not the best thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm happy I was able to take time away. And it took, I mean, quite honestly, it took some pressure off my back, too, because being that I I wanted to have a I wanted to have a successful film. That was bef- honestly last year was that was before we realized what we wanted what we fully wanted to do with 25 feet high. You know, we wanted to sell film for a lot of the reason of just having it ourselves. But it helped us realize that, you know, hey, we can we can do this. It, I think it was just really kind of a a sign from God that we've never like that was your first rack book with a bow. Yeah. And you didn't get to kill on camera, but you had the camera there to capture it. I killed my first rack book with a bow, had my best hunting season ever with a camera there being able to capture it all. I'm going to try to capture it even better this year. I feel I've got good feelings about this year, but yeah, I mean, Last year was really a learning experience for us, both of us, because this, like, I tried to self-film a little bit the the year before last. And I did, too, and it was all failures. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, I killed two or three deer last year, the year before last, but I never got a chance to really capture anything, but, yeah. I feel like last year was a big learning experience, and this year's going to be huge. Yeah, I'm huge. really looking for it. Looking forward to it. Um, I feel like we've got most of the kinks worked out as far as failures in the filming aspect. Hopefully, most of the of the of the little drawbacks and kinks and stuff. Hopefully, so you didn't kill another deer. I didn't kill another deer till like the first day in January. No, it was before then. Yeah, it was. Um, January 1st. It was New Year's Day. Was it? I thought yeah, it was New it was, Year's Eve. Well, the, January 1st was the last day that you can kill an ant, unantlered deer on open permanent public land. It, okay, yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, it was the last day. So you killed it, you killed it with your handgun. But you, to, you had a an awesome experience between the Velvet Buck and my book, so... Go ahead and tell us about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, or between your doe and my and the velvet buck. That's what I said. You said buck for you, but it's not. Uh, so I um. So after that hunt, I was able to. 
kind of relax a little bit and reevaluate how I wanted to hunt Mohican. And honestly, I, it worked out. I think it was the next day I went hunting. Um, it was the next day I went hunting after I missed, uh, or after I killed a velvet buck. I went back to the food plot that he was coming into almost every afternoon. I mean, it was insane how often. Even when I was hunting there, as soon as I left, he was in there. Like, it wasn't 20 minutes between me getting down and him being there. So, Mohican was literally driving me insane. And right now, I have a deer that's doing the same thing to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we'll talk about that. Probably in the next pod, not if not the next, the next podcast, and um, hopefully you have a better grasp on what your deer do. Yeah, because <laughs> this deer is driving me insane. But I'm pretty sure the what you're fixing to talk about, I I'm 95 percent sure that me and you are hunting your release that day. Because I yeah you, yeah. Were, you so at the day. It was the day after, or the next time I went hunting after I killed the six, Zach went hunting with me. It may have been the next weekend. Was it the next? It wasn't the next weekend. It was that week. Like, it was, I killed him on Sunday. It was within the next few days. It may have been Wednesday afternoon. It may have been. Um, And Zach came with me, and he went to a spot we had on camera, a big six point. I'm talking like an 18-inch wide six point. Yeah, that was, I was probably a hundred and two to a hundred and five inch six point. It was which, a good good deer. <laughs> yeah, and so I put Zach over there because I was hoping that deer would come in because I had him on camera pretty frequently. And actually, he was number three on my list of deer I wanted to kill. Yeah, or he was number two, considering I didn't have the six point on camera until the day before I killed him. Um, but. All I saw that day was a, a, a doe that was spooked by something. She, Her and her fawn just ran past me. Yeah. But either way, getting into the meat. So, <laughs> Zach went hunting, and he had he drove by the food plot to get to where he had to go. He had to drive by the food plot that I was hunting Mohican at. And I was sitting, I, I went in right after he drove by, put noise with noise vehicle going by me walking in so i climbed up and he was coming in i think it was right at five or five fifteen every day that was when it gets dark at like seven o'clock or six six thirty ish and um i was getting in the stand and sat there quite honestly probably took a few minute nap and then was expecting that deer for Mohican to come out with his four point that he was traveling with. It was a little low four point. You can tell who the dominant buck was in that friendship. And I was sitting there and I heard a noise to my left. And you don't really get to see it. You can see it a little bit better. I was able to, you know, Fixed footage from my original hunt when I remastered this hunt on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. And um, this four-point, like, walks in the food plot, 
going to the little oak tree that's there's two little oaks in front of my um where i'm sitting in the food plot so they walk straight up to that oak tree or the four point walk straight up the oak tree and i'm like dude i i know that's the four point that's with mohican like i know these deer like i've seen them on camera for the past three months and and I'm sitting there, and I, I go ahead and slowly stand up, and I'm sitting there watching that four, and just out of the middle, like, like uh, I'm sitting there watching that four, glancing back over to where he came in, and I don't know how he did this, but I didn't see him until he was in the middle of the food plot. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> and I grabbed my camera, and i able to get just a little bit of a glimpse of him, and as he walks to the oak tree and I get ready and I, my that's, heart. That's Mohican, right? Yeah, Mohican. He, Mohican just appears in the middle of this food plot. I don't know how. This I'm sitting is, there looking for him yeah, and he this, just appears there in the middle of the food plot. This is the first time I've really heard the full story of this hunt, even yeah. though it was a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> and see, that's because... When you end a hunt like I ended this one, you really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and this, like, I guess it goes along because he was named after a Ryan Upchurch song, Mohican. If you hadn't heard the song, he talks about a ghost that appears on him and then disappears. I've heard for the last couple of years to never name a deer after any kind of ghost or phantom type creature because they will prove you right. In the fact that they are a ghost, and then, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it kind of went along with that. Like, he just appeared in front of me in the middle of this food plot at 45 yards away. Like, I, it's like, I don't know where he came from. And I guess he just slipped in right behind a tree that was in front of me, and I didn't see him till he stepped out, you know, fully in the center of the plot. And anyway, so I'm feeling rushed at that point. Like, as soon as I see him, I'm feeling rushed. So I grab the camera, throw it over to the direction, and zoom in a little bit, try to get it on him. Heart's pounding out of my chest. You can literally hear me struggling to breathe in that video. <laughs> and I hook up, I was shooting a thumb button at this time. I hook up my thumb button, or my thumb button's already hooked up. I grab my thumb button, and I'm, I knew how far the oak tree was away from me the oak tree was 30 yards away from me and he was right on the other side of it so 34 yards and i drew back and it all went blank couldn't tell you what happened i don't, I don't remember making the video the tells us exactly what happened <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't i I know what I know what the end result was, but I don't know how it happened. Yeah, you know, it's like because I don't, I went blank, and the next thing I remember is seeing my arrow stuck in the ground, missed him. According to the video, it looked like you expected him to jump the shot like a lot more than a deer should. Yeah, well, I see. I typically <laughs> expect deer to jump. I typically ain't or or duck. Duck the shot. So I typically aim low on deer. I aim lower because typically at 34, 
the 30 to 40 yards, the deer hear the bow and react to it a little bit. He didn't react apparently at all, which I was way for. Like you look at the video, I was far right. I was above, I was below his neck and low. So I, I just made a terrible shot. Really humbling experience because I'm I'm experienced with archery. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and I just just straight up miss this deer, and I watch him run away. What appears to be out of my life forever, you know, and. I remember that text that you sent me. I won't say, I won't quote it exactly, (laughs) but it said, I just missed Mohican. Yeah, I missed Mohican. And I felt almost, not not near as, but almost as devastated as Kay, just from getting a text that said that. Yeah. And I was like, what just happened? Yeah. And what (laughs) happened at, like, and what happened after was almost as bad is I'm walk after I miss, I do the little thing, like the video you can see to where I'm just like, I'm ready to, well, RIP end it all. (laughs) Let me just jump out of this climber real quick. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm driving, it's driving me insane. And, I climbed down and I just so happened to be getting back to my truck, which was parked off of one of our main roads in our club. At the same time, my dad and another guy, Josh, not just another guy, but another guy in our club named Josh, and Walt is driving by me. And they stopped and said, they stop at my truck and get out to talk to me. And they say, I said, well, what'd you guys see? Trying to avoid them asking <laughs> me what happened. And they said, I think they, they saw like a few does, something like that. And they said, well, what'd you do? And all I could do was duck my head and say, I missed him. And my dad knew what deer I was going after. So he instantly knew, and then he's like, "Are you freaking kidding me? You've been shooting a bow since you were four years old, <laughs> and you missed the deer. How far was it? I said thirty-four yards. You missed that deer thirty-four yards. Chip shot. <laughs> like that's all day, every day. You know, like you should hit that deer. And I say, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I say." This really, this really sucks, you know. And then I had to hear about it for the next few days. I was like, I can't believe you missed that deer. You were the worst one, Zach. You was like, you like I would get random Snapchats throughout the next week saying you missed Mohican. <laughs> like just, just driving me I, I, yeah. insane. I remember I was just I was sitting at work one day, and uh, <laughs> I was watching like a hunting public video or something like that. And just randomly, it popped in my mind that Cade missed Mohegan. I just Snapchatted Cade at like two o'clock in the afternoon. I can't believe you missed Mohegan. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm, I, at that point, like it was a few days later. It's like I'm having a pretty solid day. You know, I'm like I'm I'm having a good day. I've been working on bows and stuff like that for people. And and then I look at my my phone goes off. And I looked at it and was like. You missed Mohican. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that just ruined it. So I like I, I went from one hundred to zero real quick. <laughs> like, being depressed and stuff. So that singular thing 
is what motivated me more than I've ever been motivated in my life. It was to like kill a light a switch. It it, it it was crazy. Is Kay went from I really want to kill this deer to, to I'm gonna kill this freaking deer. <laughs> I'm going to kill this deer. And so the next step was obviously I had to make a change. I lost confidence in myself. I missed this deer 34 yards. I should have hit this deer. I always hit when I'm aiming at it 34 yards. That's an easy shot, you know. And they're always hit close, close enough to kill a deer. And so I change releases. I get rid of the thumb button. I go back to the hinge. A hinge release I've been shooting since I was, I don't know, eight years old. A hinge style is what I've been shooting. So I was like, I'm going to change. I hunted with a hinge previous years. I went to thumb button because I thought it would be easier being able to leave it hung up to the string, not have to worry about hook the string up, you know, to the loop or your release to the loop and stuff like that. So I swapped releases, started shooting, gained back some confidence. Another thing that I'd like to throw in there, when you check the camera the next time, Mohican was back in that in that plot the same day you missed. Like twenty minutes later, <laughs> after I left that like, night, like fifteen minutes after you climbed down and walked back to your truck. Yeah, I checked it the next couple of days, and he was back in it the night that I missed him. I remember getting that Snapchat, and I was like, "Dang, I can't believe you missed him." Yeah, <laughs> and so the main thing is what I'm telling you right here is if you miss a deer, if you miss the buck of your life, the first thing you need to do is gain back confidence in yourself because I was at an all-time low in my shooting capabilities as far as how I feel. And confidence is a huge thing when it comes to shooting a deer. It is very important to be confident in your equipment, in yourself. So, next step, I got to find Mohican. He was still coming into the food plot, but he would no longer come in during daylight hours. He was coming into that food plot at... 20, 30, 45 minutes after dark, even until up to around 12. I never got any pictures of him past midnight, really. Maybe one or two. But I had to find his movement. So that led me to putting a trail camera in every food plot that was within a thousand yards of where I missed him at to try to understand where else he is going in this club that I'm in. So, about, let's say, 10 days pass, 10, 11 days, something like that, I go back, I check all my cameras, and I have a picture of him in a food plot that is a 1,000 yards away from where I missed him. That's a long distance. Deer travel that, no doubt. The deer that I'm going crazy about right now is traveling a very similar distance that I've already in a different area. So I got him on night. I've got him early in the AM in this food plot. I got him late at night in the food plot I missed him at. So I take all of my trail cameras. At that point, I think I had 
seven. So I had one in where I missed him. I had one at where I got him. And I walked into, I went between the two food plots and lined the woods with five trail cameras and moved them every three days. Went in, risked it, moved them and checked them every three days. And obviously, I put them on trails. I put them on deer trails. And I put them on deer, so I put them on deer trails and I finally found him. So I finally found him. And um, he was using this trail and through a three-day period every morning and every evening during daylight hours. And this trail was about 500 yards off the food plot. I missed him and about 500 yards. It was like perfectly in between the two food plots that I had pictures of him on the in the in the night and early in the morning. So I found the trail that he was using and he was using it pretty religiously. So at this point we are two weeks after I missed him pretty much. I killed him. I think on November the, I think it was November the first. Um, I give the date out in the video. I think it was November the first that I killed him. Um, I'm, or it may have been later. It was the no, it wasn't November first. It was the week before rifle season came in. It was the week before rifle season came in. Yeah, I remember you were ready to kill him before rifle season come in, so there'd be less pressure on him and he'd have a more consistent pattern. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't know why I was thinking. Yeah, I killed him. I say the date in the video, and I may be wrong. I can't remember, but I know that it was the week before. I know one hundred percent fact. It was the week before. <laughs> hunting season or for rifle season to come in because I knew if I didn't kill him with my bow before rifle season come in, somebody was going to end up killing him with a rifle because I could have killed the deer easily with my rifle if I was hunting with a rifle. If nothing else, you it's a more consistent pattern when they're before when the, their pressure because you don't have very many hunters on your club that are bow hunting. No, last year I was predominantly the only one. Yeah. Um, that's another thing real quick tip. If you, if they if you're on a lease or something where there's not many bow hunters, these deer are going to follow their summer pattern or at least late summer, early fall pattern up until gun season comes in. When usually. the orange army starts shooting, they start changing patterns. That's a fact. So, or down here. Uh, so, um, I find him. And he is using this trail. He's using this trail almost every morning, almost every afternoon. And I hunt this deer Monday morning before work, Tuesday morning before work. I was off on Wednesdays. I hunted him Wednesday morning, Wednesday evening. I hunted him Thursday morning before work. I hunted him Friday morning before work, and I hunted him Saturday after I got off of work. And I hunted him Sunday morning, and it was Sunday evening. I was sitting in that stand, wore slap out from working and hunting, not hardly sleeping because I'm focused on trying to kill this deer. And I'm sitting there, about to fall asleep 
I'm sitting in my climber at 38, 30, roughly 38 feet high. And I'm about to fall asleep. And as I'm dozing off, I hear it's around 4.30. I hear a, or 4.15, 4.30-ish. I hear a noise in the branch behind me. Uh, there's a little creek running behind me where I was hunting. It was kind of a high point between two bottoms and where two bottoms merged. So I hear this noise behind me and I lift my head up off of my climber or off the tree and turn around and look over my left shoulder and I see a four point. Uh oh. And he is 60 yards away from me at this point. And I knew the moment I saw that four point, I was about to get my second chance. Because this was no doubt the four point that was running with Mohegan. And so at that point, I see the four point. I'm not thinking about Mohican. I know I know he's coming, so I instantly changed my focus to getting away from thinking about this deer and try to think about what am I doing at this particular time. So I work on getting stood up as slowly and as quiet as possible. I reach over with my right hand, click my camera on, press record, grab my little camera arm and start shifting it toward his way, uh, the way the four point was coming. After I do that, I'm going to grab my bow and I look to my left as I go to grab my bow and I see Mohican stepping out into the old logging road that I'm hunting over. He used that logging road as a trail to get between plots. It was a grown-up old logging road. You can see in the video. And he is stepping out right there. And he is working himself around me. And I grab my camera, put it on him, and then say, oh, he's, you know, in my mind, I'm like, he's going to walk right there. And in front of my camera down a trail that he's been walking on. So I shift my camera to where he's been walking, which is right past the pine tree that I pre-ranged at 20 yards. And I instantly forget about my camera. And at that point I'm like, yeah, I hope he get I hope I get this on camera. Because I'm done at this point worrying about getting it on camera. Because my goal was to kill this deer. Getting on camera was just an added bonus at this point. Icing on the cake, as they say. Yeah. So, I I get my bow up. uh, My my arrow's already knocked. But I hook up my hinge. And I'm waiting for him. And I draw back when he's not looking. And he's walking up. And he... If you watch on the camera, he gets to like the very top right-hand corner of my screen to where you can see him. And I took my 20-yard pins. I was like, 
double lung. That's my favorite shot. I mean, that's my favorite things to hit. Heart's great, but they can run a long way if you shoot them through the heart. If you double lung them, they can't go very far. Put my pen down, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking about only shooting at that spot on that deer. I'm trying to not think about Mohican. And I put my spot on the deer, and it pretty much don't remember much between that. And I shot, and when I heard that noise, that swack noise that is very specific to shooting a deer, I erupted. I have never been so emotionally invested in a deer in my life. And I killed him, double lunged him, he ran 30 yards. And it was just uh, like, you can watch the video. I'm like, I'm almost in tears. I've never cried over him. Of course, if you kill a deer, you feel a little bit bad because you just took a life of an animal. But it looked like you were bawling in the video. It but looked like, you didn't looked see like a somebody thing. had just died. <laughs> you didn't see a tear, though. It's, it's like a there's person. not a tear. I just, I'm so happy. All that adrenaline hits. Because when you keep your mind occupied to focus on fulfilling a particular task, like adjusting the camera, grabbing the bow, you don't have time to think about, oh my goodness, I'm about to shoot this deer. You know, you're focused on doing the things that's at hand. I need to work on that part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so as soon as I shot, like all those emotions like hit me at like a ton of bricks at one time. And I'm able to go and recover him and um and I get out of the stand. I did I knew you were hunting, but I didn't know where you were hunting. So I knew you don't have I know you don't have very good service at your club, but I'm sitting there. I walk out of the stand. I didn't know my dad was at my hunt club. I didn't know he was hunting that afternoon. So I call him and he don't answer. I call him again. I call him again. He don't answer. Call him again. He don't answer. The last time he answers me, he says, is everything okay? Like whispering. <laughs> he's like, why are you whispering? <laughs> he's like, I'm in the woods. I'm hunting. He was only like 800 yards away from me. I didn't know he was there. <laughs> and because uh, where I was at didn't have any service. Because uh, I had to walk out to go to make phone calls and I killed it. Uh, like I was like, I killed Mohegan. I killed Mohegan. He's down. I've already walked up to him. I already filmed my outro. He is down. I got him. And he says, that's awesome. And then we talk for another second and then he hangs up and he hunts for like another 10 minutes and then he gets down <laughs> and comes, and comes to help me um, get Mohegan. And then I'm sitting there calling, trying to call you, hoping that well, maybe he's got a bar. <laughs> so what, what was interesting about that, um, I was, so my hunting lease and like anywhere, pretty much anywhere around my hunting lease, I don't have service. I don't remember even where I was hunting, but I remember I didn't have any luck. I didn't see a single deer, I don't think. And about 10 minutes away from my gate there's like a little hill on an intersection where I can get service and I stopped there and I just got the service and I was trying to tell my parents that 
I was okay, and I was trying. I was about to head to Cade's hunting club, or hunting uh, camp, and I was. The text was trying to send when I got like four texts from Cade, and I'm like, either something really good or something really bad happened. Yeah. And at this point, like my hunt was just bad. I didn't see a single deer, like I said. So I was feeling kind of down. I I was certainly not expecting the text that I got. I opened up the text from Kate and it said, Mohican is down. I've already put hands on him. And I think that was it. But I got like an iMessage and a text message, so it blew up twice. And as soon as I got that text, I said, I don't care what my parents think. I'm going to Case Camp. <laughs> and I went like 70 down this old county road and made it to Case Camp like, 15 or 20 minutes before Cade got there. Because I was waiting on my dad to lo- to go down and take pictures and uh, load him up to help me load him up and everything. Well, so- I just remember getting to Cade's camp, and one of our buddies was there as well. And I was like, Cade killed Mohican. And he was like, what? And me, <laughs> me and him just started freaking out. And we were like, well, where is he? And I'm like, I'm about to drive to Cade's club. I'm <laughs> about to drive into that food plot and see what's going on. And we ended up just staying there, but we were all freaking out. And I, I just remember thinking, like... Well, it worked out to where y'all were literally outside looking like y'all were about to pull up into... It was really funny, too, because y'all were... When I pulled up, it was really funny because y'all looked like y'all were about to get in the vehicle. We and were, I was pulling up, and they ran to my truck to look at this deer. We were literally, like, after... I, I had been... Me and Kate have been talking since late August about this deer. And we just all the the build up to this, like we were just so ready to see this deer dead and just I knowing that Kate had the deer down and he wasn't at the camp, like I just freaked out and I was like me and my me and our other buddy were just sitting there contemplating whether or not we should go to go back to Kate's <laughs> camp to see if everything was all right, see if you needed help or something. Yeah, and what was really funny is I pulled up and I parked and I hopped outside, you know, high five stuff like that. They're going to look at this deer, and he's not in the back of my truck. He's in the back of my dad's <laughs> truck. <laughs> so I, I think I ran to the back of your truck before I even looked at yeah. you. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you're like you look up at me. And it's like. Did you just play the sickest game ever on me? I was like, actually <laughs> very disappointed. <laughs> I was like, no, he's in the back of my dad's truck. Dad drove his truck to the down the old logging road that I didn't want to take my truck down. And uh, and we pulled up and was able to pull up right you now 20, 30 yards away from him and put him in the back of his truck. So it was really awesome. And um, Probably no matter. I mean, I, hopefully there's more memories to be made. But that deer is always gonna. Even if I kill deer that is twice, or you know, even if I was to kill a buck three times the size of him, this buck is always gonna have significance to me. And in far as my mind, there was bucks before, but for me personally, this is the buck that kind of started me on this quest of what I want to do with 25 high. Personally, six point was awesome. I love that deer. I, you know, but Mohican just has a special place in my heart to where I don't know if I, I hope I never struggle to kill an individual deer that bad again, but he's always going to be there. Got him mounted and uh, 
he we're we're actually going to move him into our pod, new podcast studio once we get it fully complete. By the way, while you were talking, I looked at, I was looking back at my pictures and you killed that deer on November eleventh. November eleventh. Okay, I know it was a one in there. <laughs> There's two ones. In there. <laughs> Double it. But so that is pretty much the story, Zach. We're at an hour and hour long, hour and fifteen minutes. We got two more deer to cover, but they're both quick stories, I think. Yeah, yeah. but Mohegan is the last Mohican. I I claim that like I'm I have a deer on camera this year that if you watch our channel, then you already know about this deer. It's called Mo Junior. Mo Junior is a descendant and or younger brother of Mohican. I'm a you know, I don't have any scientific proof to back that up, but looking at the genetic line, they look exactly the same. So I'm gonna try to put my dad on Mo Junior this year. That's the goal. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, we've been talking about it, and it's like we gotta get another camera. But um, the goal is to put him on Mo Junior. Mo Junior is really funny because Mo Junior is working the exact same area as Mohegan. He is in the plot that I missed him in. He's in the woods where I shot and killed Mohegan. He's working the same exact trail. Like, I don't even have to, I know this deer. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. I know this deer. I know if I need, or if I want to, I could eventually work to get a shot at him. Uh, whether I killed him or not, that's up to the good Lord's decision. But, <laughs> um, so I know this deer and I really want, my dad hadn't killed a buck with his bow in a long time. He hadn't taken it as serious as he used to. But, uh, he, I mean, he's killed a lot of good bucks with a bow, but he hadn't killed one in a long time because he hadn't been bow hunting as much. So I think I lit a fire inside of him. I got him set up with some new Black Eagle Spartans, and he's been shooting a little bit. So hopefully I can get him on a deer. Hopefully so. If Zach would stop moving, then you would stop hearing the sound. And I'm just trying to make the audio quality better, getting closer to the mic. But uh, going from there, we can go to two slightly less eventful hunts um that's kind of the culmination of what 25 high was really working towards as far as last year was getting at least one really good deer on the ground and that we made it happen yeah i feel like it was a team effort a little bit because i went out there and i was spending a lot of time on your hunting club as well i didn't even because of that deer and a couple others that you were looking at I didn't spend much time at my lease either at all before season yeah, last we, year. We spent a lot of time together, and that's the reason I tried to put you on that six point, but it just wasn't <laughs> meant to be. I think you hunted that deer a couple times. You just didn't end up, you never came out. I hunted that area a couple times. But yeah, well, it was all intentions of that deer. Yeah. Um, I was going to shoot whatever walked out that I felt like shooting, but. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm really pumped up about this year i can't wait to talk to y'all more about it i'm very excited for this year i've got i've been i put out cameras earlier than i ever have this year put cameras out in july that's like ridiculous for us but um anyway that's done we're gonna talk about that in a future podcast and you'll see it on our channel but hopefully 
I mean, you'll see it just whether or not we kill one. You'll see, you'll see videos. I guarantee you'll see oh, videos. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, whether or not we kill one, that's up to. Um, please God, please let us do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, tell us about. Um, by the way, our battery is really running low in our recorder. It's been on one bar for the past forty-five minutes. So, if it goes dead, we'll have to re-record. We'll have to go back and start over on the this part. But um. So, you killed a deer with a with a handgun, didn't you? Yeah, I sure did. So, last year, um, I want to say last summer, I got a 1911 in a trade, and I was doing some research on some things, and I ended up converting my 1911 to 460 Roland, which is a very interesting wildcat round that has basically the same power as a 44 Magnum but can fit in a 1911. It's very interesting. It's very fun to shoot, very powerful round. And I said, if I, now that I've got this, I want to kill a deer with it because it's very capable of it. So if you don't know, South Alabama, had, like most places talk about like the October lull or the November lull or something like that. Well, in South Alabama, there's kind of a lot of movement in the early season just because deer aren't pressured as much and they're more going they're going they're feeding a lot more loosey-goosey they're they're more relaxed during the early season and then once the orange army comes in and kind of pressures everything they get kind of less relaxed and when we call that the orange army that's just what we call it but i mean we fully support rifle hunting Oh, yeah. I mean, I hunted with a rifle a couple times last year. But either way, um, I really wanted to have more success on public land, so I was really pounding the public land pretty heavy during December, and I never really had any success. December is usually, like, a very, very slow time around here. And so late December, me and Kay were like, let's try to figure out this public land stuff. And we started driving around doing a lot of scouting, like, in-season trying to find deer and trying to figure them out on the public land. And we found this one spot that would have been awesome during bow season. It was a heavily used feeding area during bow season from what we could tell because there's a ton of oaks in the area. There's a little bottom in there that had tons of deer trails and nobody went back there. Like There was no like tire tracks down this road, no boot tracks anywhere. And we said, well, this is a good spot. And it was a beautiful spot. Oh, yeah. It was very pretty area. And I went in there one day. It was December, or it was January 1st. And I was just walking through the area. And I think we had a trail camera up there, too. And I walked through at like noon because I was obviously off of work. It was New Year's Day. And. I walked back in there around noon, and I was like, I'm going to walk over across this bottom and see what's over there. And I walk across the bottom, and I see a ton of deer trails. Like, it was just crazy how much deer traffic it seemed to be in this area. And I said, well, I'm going to come back here later this evening and climb up a tree and hunt. So I did. And I climb up the tree. And the wind was absolutely ripping. It was like the worst wind we had all year. It was, I don't know, it was felt like we were out west or something. 
Like it was crazy wins. And another thing was a lot of uh of the I think the NAS Whiting Field they fly over a lot in this area. So I think they were doing some type of training because I had like World War Two. Uh, prop planes flying over me every 10 minutes all evening long. It was just crazy. And about 30 or 45 minutes before dark, the wind just shut down. It was just went from blowing 20 miles an hour to just absolutely no wind at all. And about the time that happened, I noticed I was like, hey, there's no wind. And I hear something coming. And I'm like, oh, but I better get ready. And I had my handgun, and that was it. I, the only thing I brought to the stand was my 1911 and my camera, of course. And I hear something coming. I get ready. I turn my camera on, everything. And I on the other side of the bottom, which was a closer walk and, you know, just as much deer, almost as much deer sign, I notice there was like a whole herd of does being chased by one spike. And this was very early to see any kind of rut activity. Like I said, January 1st, we usually don't get any rut activity till the end of January or 1st of February. And, but either way, this deer was just, he was a little bit, uh, he was a little bit antsy. He was, he was getting ready before the does were getting ready. And he was chasing them, and he was running them, and everything. And I got some pretty pretty cool footage of it. And they run to this thicket, and then turn around and run back all across, way out of boat of uh, handgun range, and across this really thick bottom. And I couldn't really see everything, but I knew they I could see like glimpses of these deer. And they run back to my right, and get way out. And I'm like, well, there goes my chance. And then about 10 minutes after this, I hear something walking, and I can't hear too well out of my left ear, but I was assuming they were coming back the way they came from originally. So I was looking a little bit off to my right across this bottom looking for more deer. And then it's kind of surprising. I was like, is that really coming from my right? And I looked to my left, and there's a deer like 20 yards away, a little doe, about 20 yards away from me already in this wide open, like, hillside. And I'm like, well, dang. And I turn my camera, I put it on it, I click record, and this deer walks like five, six yards directly under me. And I can't get good footage, but I, it would have been an awesome shot. But I didn't have good footage, and by this time I had already blown a a chance at getting a, a kill on camera. So I was like, well, I, I need to get this on camera at least. And this deer works her way right below me and then out in front of me and then turns broadside at like 15 yards. And I get my pistols just right. And it was perfect because I could rest the handle of, the, of my pistol on the front of my stand. And I level off and I get it just right and I shoot. And I hit both front shoulders and broke both front shoulders and had a full pass through. And this deer, like, bucked up. I knew it was a good shot. She hit the ground and it was kicking with her back feet. I knew she was dead. And I've, I, I recorded she kicked off to the side a little bit into this little thicket. 
and I was like, heck yes, I just killed a freaking deer with my pistol. The video is pretty awesome because I, I, that was some of the most exciting, that was probably the, the most exciting hunt of my season. Yeah, the video is really good, but you have to, um, we, we apologize. There's a lot of that, uh, there's a lot of B-roll in it that has like absolutely no sound. That's because somebody made a mistake in editing and we didn't catch it before we uploaded. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, but it's a really good video. There's just a long silent part showing trees and stuff like that. Yeah, but either way, we got it done. I climbed down. I went to find blood, even though I knew the deer was dead, like 30 yards away from me. And I was recording a little something, like trying to find the blood trail or something like that. And the only light I had brought was my phone. That's not good, guys. Bring a flashlight for safety reasons and to be able to blood trail. I can promise you, (laughs) people get shot hunting every now and then. It's a terrible thing, but you've never seen a deer carrying a flashlight. That's true. Um, but And I was on public land, too. So I was shining my flashlight trying to record a little something or other, and my phone goes dead because I was playing on my phone while the wind was blowing. And it just went dead while I was trying to blood trail. But I ended up finding the deer pretty easy. I, I watched it go down and everything. So I... Put everything on my back, my climber, all my gear and everything, and drag this deer like 150, 200 yards back to the truck. And I didn't realize how hard that would be, but it's I, I definitely should have prepared a little bit for that. <laughs> but uh, I made it back, and I filmed a little outro, and it, it just really shocked me just how well that round performed. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was a very rewarding experience after wanting to kill a deer for kill a deer with a handgun for a couple of years and finally getting the ch- getting the opportunity to do so. Yeah. And it ins- again, you it inspired it inspired me. I already wanted like we talked about it before the season even started like it'd be awesome to kill a deer with a handgun, you know. Um so you went and done it and that was right before I was looking at buying a, a high-powered handgun. You know, just saying. Yeah, easy I got terms. the I got the the four sixty rolling conversion, and then Kay was like, "Well, I want to one up you a little bit." <laughs> no, I didn't want to one up. <laughs> see, I've and I've been looking at buying a. I was gonna buy a three fifty seven revolver. Been saving up for it. I've always wanted one. I was gonna buy one. And I um, went to this, like, right after Zach killed this deer, I went to the store to buy a three fifty seven, and was looking around, and it was, like, only $50 more to buy a forty four Magnum. And there's a significant power difference between a 357 and a 44 Magnum. I'd say so. And I said, well, I'm already spending this money and I can use a 44 Magnum. Like I can use it to handgun hunt and I can use it as a, um, to carry if I go elk hunting for like 
or something like that for a sidearm for bear or whatever, just in case. So I went and ended up special ordering this 44 Magnum. And this is right after Zach killed the deer. So I got that 44 Magnum in a couple days later. And I took it and went and practiced with it. And I practiced with it at 20 and 30 yards. And I was consistently within about a five-inch group. So I felt really confident in being able to kill a deer with it if I could get one within 30 yards. That's one thing about handgun hunting that I, I really enjoy, like, with rifle hunting, all you got to do is put the crosshair on the deer and pull the trigger. Like, there's not a whole lot of strategy as far as the actual shot. But, like, bow hunting and handgun hunting both, you have to really master it to be good enough to actually execute it. Yeah. And the cool thing about handgun, yeah, if you get within handgun range, I mean, we're using iron sights. We're not, we didn't put red dots or anything on them. Uh, if you... Obviously, if you can get within 30 yards, you can bow hunt it, but to be able to kill a deer with a handgun is something really cool to talk about, I mean, and it was really fun. It's actually the closest thing I've ever felt to actually killing one with a bow as far as getting your adrenaline going and stuff like that. And I, um, I'm definitely going to hunt with my handgun a little bit this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even if it's just for does, I'm going to definitely take mine out some. Um during during when rifle season comes in, I'll carry it as my bow hunting sidearm because if a deer walks out like behind me in a situation you can't necessarily get your bow moved around to, you can grab that thing and pow. <laughs> it's very fun. Um but very rewarding experience. Yeah, so I spent I shot like I think it was fifty ish rounds, like like Forty dollars worth of forty-four mag ammo um, at a target to practice to get to the point to where I felt like I could go successfully harvest a deer. So after I got to that point, it was not long afterwards. I'm really bad at remembering dates, guys. As you can tell, I don't put very much emphasis on the dates themselves. But um, I went to the spot I killed the velvet buck at. And I saw tons of deer. Watch the video. It's pretty cool. And I finally, uh, this deer is, a this doe I ended up shooting ends up being a very good one to shoot because I have never, ever seen a doe that was so skittish. A bird could fart and it would run. <laughs> It was it was just it was just such a skittish doe, and um, I'm sitting there waiting for it to come within thirty yards, and it, it was at that persimmon tree that we talked about earlier. Uh, it was on the other side of it, and I knew that was my thirty yard mark, you know. Um, so I was sitting there trying to get, hopefully that deer was gonna walk in within range, and. I sit there and watch that deer bounce back and forth for a few minutes from one side of the tree to the other. 
And it finally looped around to the right side of the tree, the same side of the tree that I killed the six point on. And it's at 35 yards facing slightly toward me. And, or it facing, I mean, angled toward me. And I'm get I'm getting a little impatient at this point. So I like angling shots. You wouldn't have took this shot with a bow that I made, um, like through a shoulder. But I raise up my handgun in that um, in that ground blind and put it directly on uh, her shoulder, aiming it, and she's angled toward me, and I squeeze that trigger off. First of all, she heard me cock back the hammer on the revolver. And that's the reason if you watch the video, you see her stomp or go into stomp at the exact same moment which I shoot her. Because she heard it and she was scared or suspicious, rightfully so, of that noise. <laughs> and um, I squeezed it off and shot her and it went it blew her front right shoulder like it broke it in half and that bullet ran all the way mushroomed out and ran all the way down the full length of her body pretty much and the bullet got stuck in between her uh, left side helm and the skin so i didn't get an exit but it devastated her and she ran 75-ish yards. Uh, it's like 30, it was like 30 yards from the edge of the plot. And she, yeah, about 75 yards. And um, I waited. And by the way, if you're ever in a ground blind, hearing protection is very important. Um, but if you're in a tree stand, it's not as loud. Where you're hearing protection if you ever hunt, hunt with a revolver. Because... <laughs> <laughs> If a tree stand, it wouldn't be that bad because your sound would not be redirected back toward you. But in that ground blind, it kind of bounced off that ground blind and like hit me in my left ear, the sound. And I couldn't hear out of my ear, my left ear for like two months. Like I could barely hear out of it. You could snap your, I could snap my fingers right beside of it and not hardly hear it. Um, but I completely ruptured my ears when I'm doing that. Very stupid. But so we're here in protection. Learn from my mistake. I didn't think it was going to be that loud. I mean, I've shot it before and the gun was loud, but it wasn't to the point that I thought it would rupture the eardrum. Just the way it reverberated off of the ground blind, it it, it hurt. A little, little bit um, disconfused me. <laughs> but able to recover and then uh it was an awesome hunt i definitely look forward to um hunting with my revolver some this year that 44 magnum was bad dude and you can check out if you're interested in learning more about our handguns me and zach did a on the ground segment on our youtube channel that we compared his 460 rolling versus my 44 magnum they perform very similarly. Yeah, they're very, very similar. Uh, 44 Magnum just has a little bit more, I guess we could say, heritage behind it. Uh, being the 460 is a new round. The 44 Mag was the highest caliber you could get in a handgun for a very, very, very long time. 
Dirty hair, he used it. Yeah. I mean, if it's good for Clint Eastwood, it's good for me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but is there anything else you want to add? Again, guys, if you want to watch any of these videos, they are on our YouTube channel, our earlier channels. Please excuse it. We are a little bit awkward in our, some of our channels because we're getting used to talking in front of a camera. So, uh, our, so keep that in mind if we seem a little bit weird. Watch our more modern day. We're getting a little bit better about being in front of a camera. We're not acting so awkward. But... Zach, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap this thing up? I'll just say whatever it takes to get you outdoors and get into the woods, go for it. Just do it. It's a great thing to do. If it's legal, go do it. Yeah. But I really appreciate y'all listening to us. We, uh, we're enjoying doing this podcast thing. It's, a, we, it's something that we do like late. Maybe it's 11 o'clock. So, um, yeah, we really appreciate it, guys. Stay tuned. We try to release an episode every week, um, my, mostly on Fridays is what we try to do. So, uh, stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. We're going to do some more breakdowns uh, probably in the future. But uh, we're going to talk as we get closer to hunting season. We're getting very, very close. It's getting us nervous, getting us ready. It's just freaking excited wish it came in tomorrow hopefully i can if all goes well i'm gonna have a trip next weekend which will be should be starting about the time y'all will be listening to this podcast yeah we'll see and um hopefully do that and we got some things that we're we're gonna talk to y'all more about as there's more set in stone um and then we're gonna get to talking more about what we're doing currently and you'll get some you'll get some podcast of us from uh from our new studio you'll also get some hunting camp podcasts that we'll get on here and 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 record and stuff so y'all stay tuned make sure if you hadn't already hit that subscribe button check out our youtube channel um if you hadn't already please go check it out subscribe that is uh we are trying to we are Almost, or by the time you're here, this hopefully we're over 350. We're trying to hit 400, 400 season guys. Help us out. We do have a giveaway. Also, uh, we are doing a giveaway uh, for a dozen Black Eagle Zombie Slayers. To enter into that, it is a 500 subscriber giveaway. To enter into that, you have to go to YouTube. You have to subscribe. You have to screenshot on your phone that you subscribed and DM us either on Facebook or Instagram just to show that you're subscribed. If you do that, you instantly enter in the chance to win a dozen free Black Eagle Zombie Slayers that we will ship directly to your door. But in and on that, guys, make sure you go do that. On DM it to us on Facebook and or Instagram. And we appreciate y'all listening. Stay tuned for more content. And always remember to live life 25 high.